All right, good morning, New Life Manitou. How are you guys doing? Cool. Uh, my name is Taylor. Would you guys please stand for the scripture reading? Um, today's reading is going to be from Jonah 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a, sh a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went abroad and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below the deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and dry land. This terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, we pray to you now. We, we say that uh, we want to listen to you and we want to obey you. Lord, it's really that simple. Lord, that we may listen, that we may obey. That is our prayer, that our hearts would be turned to you. And so, Lord, we say we love you. We praise you. It's in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that we pray. And all God's people shouted. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We are starting a brand new series in the book of... Jonah. If you would, you can find this book. If you open right into the middle of your Bible, it's the Psalms. And if you keep flipping past Jeremiah, Ezekiel, you get into 12 minor prophets. And Jonah is one of them right between Obadiah and Micah. And today I have for you a sermon on this first chapter of Jonah that is a two-point sermon. I know we always do three points, but the last couple weeks it's been two points. And I don't know what to say other then it's two points. It'll be good. The first point will be Jonah's disobedience. The second point will be God's faithfulness. And so if you have turned to the book of Jonah, let's look at this passage. Here it is in my Bible. It's just one page. It's a very short book of the Bible. Some of you don't know that, but it's just 48 verses. And here we are in Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, where the word of the Lord comes to Jonah. 
And we are going to find that Jonah is going to be disobedient to this. That's point number one. And then we are going to find that even though Jonah is disobedient, the Lord hunts him down with the Lord's love and does not let him go. The Lord is faithful to Jonah. That will be the sermon. And then we will come to this table as, as a, just a mystery of how the Lord in us, like we have all run away from the Lord at times, and yet the Lord continues to chase us down, and the Lord with open hands gives us salvation. And then later after that, we will go down and enjoy fellowship and a potluck. That's today's sermon. Sound good? All right. So I thought... Um, Seeing as though this is a kid's, uh, is this a, one of those books of the Bible that kids love? If kids spend any time in Sunday school coming to our church, my four boys, even little Theo, he's two, he knows the story of Jonah, Jonah and the whale. And then some kids are other, very quick to, to correct the other kids and say, well, we don't know it was a whale. It could have been a fish. And then my little boy's like, it could have been a shark, Dad, like a megalodon shark. It could have been lava. And they know all the different names of the sharks. And they're like, oh, it could have been that. Wouldn't that be awesome, Dad? I'm like, I don't know it's we don't know this is this is much more than a kid's story about just a guy getting swallowed by some sea creature this is a story about disobedience and the lord's faithfulness even in disobedience so i have today i was going to begin this sermon with a few jokes is that okay? They're kind of like kids' jokes. My kids love jokes. It seems like every time at dinner the last, I don't know, month, they tell jokes, and it usually goes something like this. Like Theo, who's two years old, to say, knock, knock, and I'll say, who's there? And he'll say, Theo, and just laugh hysterically. It's his own name. It's like, that's, of course, he's at the door. Why not? That's a funny joke. So I have some jokes, and I downloaded this. Um, kids thought this was pretty cool. I, I downloaded a joke assistant to help me tell jokes. So it's got that. You'll, you'll see. So the, the, these jokes are all really their puns. And since they're puns and they're funny, I call them punnies. Uh, let's, let's move on. <laughs> Jonah is found in the minor prophets, prophets, which means like the other 11 prophets, they were all under the age of 18. <laughs> Just kidding. They all did part-time work at a coal mine. <laughs> Some of you aren't even smiling. Oh, gosh, this is going to be a long sermon. Uh, there is, there is uh, amongst, uh, I should probably answer that. It is, uh, Jonah is a minor prophet because compared to the major prophets that wrote very long books of the Bible, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, uh, D- Daniel, th- these are very short books of the Bible. Uh, but there is, in the book of Jonah, getting to my next joke, uh, some controversy in Christianity, in historicity, about whether this book of Jonah is... Uh, metaphor or poetry or could this have actually happened and a lot of people find this whole story very hard to swallow (laughs) oh this is horrible oh i got three more um the title of this sermon is uh you can run but you can't hide this is kind of the theme of the book of jonah Uh, jonah tries to run from the lord but he can't the lord is hot on his tail with love like tracking down jonah in jonah's disobedience the lord still loves him uh so you can run but you can't hide reminds me of a phrase i had to yell uh the other day because i used to have this really nice camouflage jacket i went inside i hung it up and in comes this guy with crutches 
crutches. And he gets my jacket, puts it on, and he hobbles away out the door, down the road. And I run after him screaming, you could hide, but you can't run. (laughs) That's terrible. My wife is even saying, that's horrible. It didn't happen for real. It's one of my silly jokes. Two more. Jonah was a prophet, but he didn't want to be a prophet. He wanted to be the world's first Non-profit. Oh, gosh. All right. Those were all my whales of a joke. Oh, gosh. All right. All right. Enough of that. Thank you. Thank you for the comedy routine. You're welcome. Uh, Jonah's disobedience. Point number one. Turn in your Bibles to Jonah. Write down point number one, Jonah's disobedience. We are going to look at the four chapters of Jonah, a very short book of the Bible. already said 48 verses only. The first uh, chapter of Jonah is about God saying, go. And then Jonah says, no. And then God says, oh, Chapter one is about God saying, uh, I put it down like this, this running analogy. Jonah runs away from the Lord. Chapter two is Jonah runs to the Lord with this prayer in the belly of the fish. Uh, Chapter three is Jonah runs with the Lord. And then chapter four, Jonah has a run in with the Lord. Jonah is often called the prodigal Prophet. You know the story of the prodigal son in the New Testament? Jesus tells this parable of someone who goes to their own father and says, Dad, give me everything that, that is owed to me when you die. He takes that money and goes off and lives lavishly, lives way above his means. That's what the word prodigal means, like lavishly, above your means. And his life comes to a crashing halt when he runs out of money. Jonah is, is in a similar boat that he runs away from the Lord, runs, he wants to run to Tarshish, and we'll talk about that city in just a moment. And then he becomes a prodigal from the Lord in his ways, and his life becomes uh, crashing in all around Jonah. We don't know too much about this prophet in the, in the book of Jonah. We just know a very few details. We do know where he's from, from another book of the Bible, if you would like to just know this fun fact. 2 Kings 14 refers to Jonah, the son of uh, Amittai, which is, which is Jonah, that's uh, the same guy here, as someone from Gath-Hefer, which is in the region of Nazareth. So he's in Israel, he's a Jewish person, he's in the region of Nazareth, and there's this saying that's even around when Jesus is around, it says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And we would say, well, yeah, Jonah came from there, and Jesus, in a way, comes from there. So yes, two wonderful, great prophets come from Nazareth, and Jonah is from this region. His name means Pigeon. Did you know this? The pigeon, this flying rat of a bird, that is what Jonah is named after. These flighty little birds, if you like pigeons, I apologize, but they just, the way they walk around, it just annoys me, and they're flighty, and you like throw out some bird seed in a park, and then it's just an instant disaster with like 
poop everywhere and it's disgusting these flight you like go like this and the pigeons all fly away they're scared they're flighty this seems to be like the kind of person maybe Jonah is he's scared and he's flighty and yet the Lord will be faithful to him and it's interesting don't you think that his father's name is Amittai and in the Hebrew Amittai means faithfulness so Jonah this pigeon of a of a man, in, in a sense, is a son of the father of faithfulness. And I imagine, we, we don't know too much about Jonah, but I imagine he's a normal guy. He's, his life is interrupted when the word of the Lord comes to him. Maybe he was just on his way to Starbucks. We don't know. It was quite a few years ago. And the word of the Lord comes to him. In fact, the Hebrew phrase, if we want it to be literal, it wouldn't really make sense in English, but if we want it to be literal, we'd say the word of the Lord happened to Jonah. The word of the Lord comes to him and tells him, go off to this place called Nineveh and prophesy to it. And we believe in prophecy. We believe in the words of the Lord. We believe in that for today. We believe in that for the here and the now. And so we can imagine the word of the Lord coming to us, how it comes, like in a, in a great, um, is, it, is it a spoken word? Is it a conviction? We don't know, but it comes to Jonah and calls him to Nineveh to preach so that those people may turn from their ways and the Lord may have mercy on them. And he does not. He runs away. He does not want to be a prophet. He ends up complaining and being a pouting prodigal prophet. And we don't, we, we kind of ask the question maybe at this point, like, why? Why doesn't he just go to Nineveh? Why, why, why? Why does he run away? What's, what's the big deal about Nineveh? I'm glad you asked. Here we go. Well, let's get into some ancient history real quick. This will bring us to a nerd alert. And so when I say nerd alert at our church, you make an alarm sound. It kind of wakes us up to like to, to a study of something. In this case, we're going to study ancient uh, Middle Eastern history. So nerd alert. <laughs> okay, great. Some of you like literally woke up like, what's going on? Uh, it's okay. We're going we're gonna to talk about some history right now. And the history is of uh, about the 700s BC when the kingdoms are split, the north and the south. The Assyrians are the empire just to the east of Israel, and they are horrible. They are terrorists. They are uh, guilty of war crimes. Nineveh is the capital of Assyria. It says in the book of Jonah, we read later, that it would take three days to walk across the city of Nineveh. This is a very large city. It is the modern day city of Mosul in Iraq. And in some cases, just like then today, like Mosul is often in the news today because it's the headquarters of ISIS, a known terrorist organization declared by the UN and the United States Department of State as like this is a terrorist organization capitaled in, headquartered in what is today Mosul, which was years, I mean thousands of years ago, this city, ancient city of Nineveh. It was founded by Nimrod, who we see in Genesis. And the name of this city, Nineveh, means the place of fish, fish town. Isn't that interesting? Like the literal interpretation of this city is, at least in the old Achaean word, for a place of the fish. Fish city, fish town, known as uh, Jonah is called to go preach there and instead goes the other way. And what swallows him and brings him back? 
a fish. It's kind of interesting. I don't know. Maybe we'll talk about that later in this series. But here's some more about Assyria. They had the very first in the world, a professional army. And what I mean by that, you're like, whoa, was there not wars before that? Was there not any armies before that? Well, before these days, if you were in the army, well, you were probably also a farmer. You probably also had a trade. And when wartime came, you would take whatever instruments you had for plowing, whatever, make them into war uh, uh, weapons, and you would go off to battle. Assyria has, um, at least according to my 22nd Google search, it really does have the very first known professional army, the very first standing army. I couldn't find, I, I, I did Google it. I kind of got into this and, and, and researched it quite a bit this week. I was very fascinated that they had the first standing army. Like uh, it might make sense. Like in Manitou, there's a volunteer fire department. There's a couple on staff, full-time uh, fire fighters. But then when the call is made, the call goes up. Maybe there's some of you in here that are volunteer fire uh, fighters. The call goes out, you show up to either a fire or a call or whatever it is. And you, then you go back to your day job. Um, Assyria had the very first standing army where even when people, even when they weren't at war, there was warriors being trained. And when they weren't being trained, they were getting ready to be trained. And when they weren't being trained, they were just always ready to go out in battle. It was the world's first standing army and they were Horrible. One of the leaders at this time, named Tiglath-Pileser, piled up in front of Nineveh, the the city gates, human skulls as a warning of what these, what this empire does to surrounding people. They destroy them. I have this image in my head. Maybe it was nothing like this, but if you've ever been to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, they have that big, like the elk horn, elk antler gate. Like I imagine, like uh, something like that made out of human skulls. Like how terrifying would that? be to enter into this city for a Jonah who would then want to prophesy against it. You could imagine him wanting to go the other way, right? You can see that. If you can't, let me give you one more analogy. Um, Imagine in the 1940s, a Jewish rabbi in New York City minding his own business. Maybe he has a small synagogue. Maybe he's writing books. We don't know. He's teaching. He's a rabbi. It's just a made-up example. And the word of the Lord comes to him saying, go to Germany. Go to the capital, Berlin, and preach against Nazism. Preach against Hitler. And tell them that if they repent, then the Lord will turn to them. Imagine the scene. You could imagine this rabbi, instead of taking a flight to Europe, getting on a railway and going maybe to Southern California and then maybe going off to Hawaii, going as far away as he possibly could. Like, right? Like, imagine this scene. I don't know if it's any correlation, but in my mind, it's like, wow, I could see why Jonah would want to go far away. And he ends up going, he wants to go at least, to the land of Tarshish, a city or a providence. We're not sure exactly. We have a map, and uh, we could put up the map. Uh, So there you see... um, the, the red line is where Jonah's supposed to go from Israel to Nineveh. Instead, uh, this, this artist has put in like he wanted to go to Tarshish. That's all the way 
to see where Spain is, the, the, the rock of Gibraltar. I've been there uh, on a vacation with my parents one time. Tarshish is this region known as like the ends of the earth, the known ends of the earth at that time. Jonah decides, I'm going to get as far away as I possibly can from where the Lord's calling me. Go to Tarshish, a land in the ancient world known for gold and palm trees and just being oh, a great place. So that's where Jonah's headed. He's on his way. He goes down to Joppa. That's this port. And I remember uh, I was in Israel last um, September and we were staying in Tel Aviv and not too far from our hotel was this old port of Joppa. So I got up early one morning and ran to it uh, and took a picture. I have this picture of my sweaty head. Uh, maybe we don't have it. It's, it's, I would spare you. No, there I am, sweating. And in the back, it's a horrible picture. I thought, oh, if I ever preach on Jonah, I'm going to show this picture. So I took this picture and then I looked at it. I was like, it's horrible. Like, what do I look like a sweating monster? Um, <laughs> But that's the port of, of, of Joppa. This is where, all right, get that picture off. That's where uh, Jonah sails from. Like, I'm going to go to Tarshish. And instead, he ends up getting swallowed by a sea monster, spit back on dry land, prays to the Lord, comes to the Lord, and then goes to Nineveh. Sorry to uh, disappoint you with a spoiler alert, but I just finished the whole story for you. Um, Let's look at this, um, kind of concluding Jonah's disobedience. We might ask, well, why? Like, why, why, why was, was Jonah so afraid to go to Nineveh? A couple reasons. He, um, Israel and, and the Assyrian Empire are at war, like, and so he's going to go into the capital of, uh, uh, of a place that is warring against Israel that's very dangerous. And Jonah was seemingly very racist against these people. I mean, these people had done horrible things. He didn't want to go to them, even though the Lord loved them. I think we get this picture that Jonah does not. We see that later on in the book of Jonah. And I would just say that, that there's really no room for racism in the kingdom of God. Like, like the Lord loves all people. He calls us to people who do not look like us or talk like us. And that's maybe the case here where Jonah is rebuked for not wanting to go to Nineveh because he knows. We learn this later in the book. He knows if he goes, they will repent and the Lord will have mercy on them. And Jonah will say later, we'll get to this uh, later in the series, that, that he knows the Lord is merciful and he knows the Lord will forgive them and he doesn't want that to happen because he doesn't like these people. Instead, we are called to care for people. We are called to shepherd people. We are called as Christians to walk with people and to love people. I remember early in my seminary um, years, I was in LA learning and, and wondering, like, could I, I started seminary not knowing what I wanted to do, but uh, by my third year when I was in LA, coming to some conclusions, like, maybe I could be a pastor. And I had this uh, fellow seminary student, he was older than I was, had a wife and family, and he was just so caring and gentle and he knew what he wanted to do is I want to become a pastor because I want to care for people and in day-to-day -day life this guy just really did it like he was so caring and I've just so been encouraged by conversations I got to have with him because we would carpool once a week to this church we worked at and even in LA traffic and uh, the road rage like he would have a love for people. Like one time we were in a particular, like LA traffic's always bad, but it was particularly bad. And we were just getting through red lights after red lights. And this car comes racing around us, rolls windows down and says, get off the road, morons. He yelled some other things too. 
and then he like cuts right in front of us and does a brake check, slams on his brakes, we slam on our brakes, and then sticks his hand out the window and shows us a gesture, which I will not do in church for, for any reason. Um, and then my friend who's in the car driving said, man, I, you know, we were both like upset, mad. Everybody's already frustrated. People are honking the horns. He says, man, I could really get into this road rage thing if I didn't care about people. And I just thought, what a great response. (laughs) Like, yes, like, yeah, don't we care about people? Isn't that our call as pastors, as Christians, to love people, to care about people? And I wonder if Jonah wasn't more loving and caring if he wouldn't have gone to Nineveh, if this lesson for us is not a lesson in deeply loving others like the Lord loves us. So the second point, point number one was Jonah's disobedience. And I think a lot of people, if you're, if you're a kid, you're just looking at the story on a surface level, you'd, you'd say, oh, this story is really about Jonah and his disobedience. And it is about that. But I will argue throughout this series, and today I will make the same argument, that this story is really about the Lord's faithfulness. This story is really about the character of the Lord than it is the character of Jonah. So God's faithfulness. This is point number two of two. God's faithfulness. And he is faithful in our days, in our lives. And I think there's this tendency amongst Christians today in this church, right here in this room, for myself included, to think in terms of being a deist. What is a deist? Well, a deist is someone who believes in God, but that God is far off, that God isn't involved in the day-to-day things of our life. I think it comes out sometimes, at least in my own life, like I will say things like, well, God saved the world. God loves the world. And then maybe having a hard time saying, well, God loves me. God saved me. I think we as a, as a culture just tend to be deists, like kind of wanting to put God, oh God, I know you're loving, I know you're faithful for the world, but then having a hard time believing God is faithful, God is loving to us. But we believe and we hold that God is completely imminent in our world, loving the world just as much as he loves us individually. I think about the three years. Today, we're we're doing a potluck today and celebrating the fact that this weekend marks three years of continually meeting, having Sunday services here at New Life Manitou. And I think about like the stories we have as a congregation, the faithfulness God has led us through day after day in the stories of his works and his miracles. Like we've had stories where like, well, there's been miracles amongst us and God's faithfulness. This is so awesome and this is so beautiful. God is not a distant, like a, a runoff parent that, that leaves kids uh, and to, to wonder about where their parents are. God is right with us all the time. Imagine like a playground of kids and God, the parent, is right there. And in the story of Jonah, there's some kids, kids doing what they're supposed to over here. But then over there, there's some kids being really mean. And in the story of Jonah, it's like this good, loving God parent looks to Jonah and says, go over there and tell these kids they need to, to be in my ways and tell them how much I love them. Because I know that if they hear this message, they will turn and they will come to me and I will save them. 
Jonah is a prophet. And I heard a great definition this week from Daniel Grothy. I listened to the uh, Friday night service from last week. Daniel preached on this uh, passage at New Life Friday night. And he said this. He said, a prophet is someone who embodies the pathos of God. And pathos is like the emotion, who God is, emotionally speaking. like His, his character and his will and his emotions, who he is. And, and Daniel said, the prophet is an embodiment of the pathos of of God. And so God has this message for the Ninevites that he loves them, that he wants them to turn from their wickedness, turn towards the Lord's ways because he is loving. And so it's our job. It's the job of Noah. Uh, have I said Noah a couple times? I meant Jonah. It's, it's the job of Jonah in this story to listen and to obey. That's our job, to listen to the Lord, to obey with the call on our lives, the Holy Spirit inside of us. Many of us have been given times of prophetic words. And, and sometimes these are like uh, amazing things that it's like, wow, this is truly a prophecy. But other times it's just the embodiment of what the Lord thinks about a situation. And we as humans full of the Holy Spirit can come in and we can speak the Lord's truth into these situations. And that I would say that's prophetic. That's what prophecy is. And so we are called to listen and to obey. We are called to go when the Lord says go. We are called to go and tell a people about the Lord and his love. I think this week I'm going to pray over us as a congregation. Lord, give us times. Like consider, like we could run away from this, but Lord, are you calling me to bring a meal to a family? Are you calling me to call someone, encourage them? Are you calling me to pray for someone and tell them, let them know that I'm praying for them? Are you calling me, Lord? I pray that this will happen this week to, to have a conversation with a coworker, to let them know you're a believer, to let them know maybe they're going through something and you need to let them know that the Lord is with them, the Lord loves them. I pray for opportunities this week that we will lean into and dive into listening to the Lord and obeying him. In the case of Jonah, he travels far away. He travels, uh, the city of Nineveh is about 500 miles away on foot. That's a very long journey. And I think the Lord in the, in the, um, in every Christian's life, calls us to go, to, to proclaim the message of Christ. I think it's, it's my personal opinion that we should all go on missions. Like, there's opportunities always. New Life Church is a church that loves missions. We send missionaries. We visit missionaries. We ourselves, as a church, we go on mission trips. In fact, I'm, uh, it, it really makes sense to announce this right now. As, like, we'll get you more the specific information later. We'll host a couple Sundays from now. Uh, not next Sunday, but the Sunday after, we'll host an information meeting about this. But this uh, late summer, September, New Life Manitou is going to go on a mission trip. And I want to invite you to consider, about, consider it, pray about it, listen to the Lord. Is he calling you to go? My wife and I are going to lead a trip to Cambodia. And we are going to, there's, there's this couple that we've known for years, we used to be uh, fellow college pastors with them, with New Life Church, and then 10 years ago, they moved to Cambodia to be missionaries, and they work with people that are um, like coming out of the trafficking, like the red light district kind of trafficking in Cambodia, and they work with women specifically with their children, and they teach them vocational skills and teach their children and get them in, out of the lives of human trafficking into a life of taking care of them. Themselves, and it's beautiful. If you know about Mary's homes, it's kind of like that in Cambodia. And we've been invited over. Like, come, we have opportunities for you to serve. And it's a 
couple thousand miles away. Why would we go over there? Well, because the Lord is calling us. Like I felt, uh, have felt a burden uh, for this place uh, for many years and with this couple that we know to go over there to serve where we can and to see what they're doing, to see another part of the world, to travel thousands of miles just to look at some kid and say, the Lord loves you. Like the Lord wants you to turn to him and the Lord loves you so much. We exist as a church um, to make disciples, calling people to worship, connect, and to serve. And this is what discipleship is. Falling in love with the Lord, following in his ways because the Lord first loves us. So I want us to consider as we study this book of Jonah over the next couple weeks, consider our own lives, how we've all run away from the Lord at times And consider this image of the Lord chasing down Jonah in his love. Even though Jonah literally goes the exact opposite way he should be, the Lord finds him. The Lord is tracking him down. The Lord does not give up on him. The Lord is faithful. I want to invite you to stand with me this morning. I want to lead us through a prayer. And then Brett's going to lead us to this table of communion. But this is the communion message that that even though we've walked away from the Lord, the Lord is here. He's at this table. And we, we do this every week. We celebrate the mystery of Christ's body and blood broken and shed for us. And we come like uh, every week to remind ourselves to partake in this mystery that the Lord loves us, that although we have walked away, we believe the Lord continually walks and runs after us, offering us his mercy and his love. And so if you would pray these words, we do this uh, often when we pray this words of confession, it's confession prayer. Let's say it together. Let's pray it together. Most merciful God, We confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we might delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your name. Amen. And so, Lord, we quiet ourselves and we consider your ways and what you're doing. Lord, we invite you into our lives. We say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Lord, give us the courage to obey.